listening to The Currency Welcome. I'm your host, Mike Gaston. I'm a brand and marketing strategist, and I am thrilled to have you along. This is a podcast for marketers or anybody that engages in marketing. We got a great guest today, a good friend of mine I've known for many years. His name is Josh Pies. Let me tell you a little bit about Josh. He's a video advertising and branding expert. He spent most of his life workshopping ways to get attention, be it sales for his first business, which he started at the sage age of four. Customers for his property service company at age 23, or laughs and viewership on his first national TV show at age 26, where he was producer and head writer. You can tell from this intro that Josh is the kind of guy that just likes to sit around and read comic books all day long. He believes in getting attention and loves the power of modern content creation for what it can do for businesses and personal brands. Josh is the executive producer of C47 Film Associates, which has produced one feature film. It's available on Amazon Prime, three TV series, eight documentaries, and TV and web ads for brands as various as Kodak, the John Maxwell team, and the U.S. Department of Labor. Josh speaks at events on topics of video branding, how to stand out as a professional, and the power of purpose. Josh Pies, welcome to The Currency. Hey, thank you. I am honored. It is really cool to have a friend that I know, like, and trust like you uh, think I'm cool enough to be on your show. Oh, dude, you are, look, with the with the sport coats you wear, how could you not be cool enough? And, and for the listeners, you know, and I'll give you some information to connect with Josh soon, but you got to check out some of Josh's videos. He posts them on LinkedIn and I think also YouTube, but he wears the craziest sport coats that I've ever seen. You've got this whole I mantra of get attention, and I think mm-hmm. the, you're living the brand in those sport coats, man. Thank you. I'll tell you, it works. Um, a quick story. Uh, a little while back, I, I had to get certified uh, by the John Maxwell team because I was already writing a whole bunch of their videos and they just felt weird that I hadn't gone through their program, um, which is kind of funny because I was already successfully writing all their content and they loved it. But, was, you know, I, I honored that and sure. it was a great experience. But I was the only one running around in coats like that. So, um, you know how a lot of Josh, I think you're always have. the only one running around in coats like that. <laughs> well, I love those jackets. Th- that is it generally true. Actually, it's funny. Those coats are actually marketed as a gag. And I was like, no, nah, they're not a gag. That's a lifestyle. And so I just adopted it for me. But the, the people who make those coats really just want you to like either like go to a kegger or they want you to like use it for Halloween oh, or something. I gotcha. And and for me I'm like they're well made. They're kind of crazy looking. Let's they're do fun. this. They're fun. They're fun. Yeah. Um, so tell me so, just well but describe the jackets. I want to hear the John Maxwell but for the listeners what what are we talking about here? All right. Well, I I actually have a couple in my office here. So I'm looking at the uh the Batman jacket which is it's a black base but it has all the bang zoom pow kabow like all that stuff big splash graphics correct all from the original uh cartoony version of the tv show back from what was that the 60s and 70s oh yeah the opening credits adam west yeah which by the way i met adam west very interesting dude um that's an aside for another day um but then i have my uh my pac-man jacket which is the original pac-man board from the game uh it's it's kind of a navy blue base and then it's the whole pac-man jacket with the ghosts and the pac-man all over the thing um 
And then I have my stars and stripes, which is blue with uh, white stars. I wear a uh, a red shirt under that, and usually uh, white loafers, so I really stand out there. Nice. Um, and yeah, I got my Star Wars jacket that has just this insane Star Wars uh, thing, very very bright, uh, all primary colors. Nice. So I have to change a lot of what I wear with that because the other ones are uh, not primaries. And I actually think about things like that, which is kind of weird, but I do. So that's that's a description. I I interrupted your story about the Maxwell team. You're the only one running around. You're you're going through their certification. You're running around in these jackets. Yeah. So I was there for like five days, and you know they they had an internal video team running around doing the feel good video. That's going to like be the recap that you watch on day five. And um, I'm sitting there watching the recap, and every other photo and video clip has me in the center. <laughs> and all their video guys hadn't planned it, but I was the one who drew all the attention. So that that video was the Josh video featuring John Maxwell. Nice, but see that really yeah, gets at the funny. core. That gets at the core of your philosophy. I mean, I'm I'm jumping into the jackets just because they're notable, but the the jackets isn't who you are. I mean, it's it's a tactic that you use. It's an expression it of your deeper philosophy. What is the idea behind get attention? I mean, we're we're kind of talking about it right now, but you did it. Like this is John yeah. Maxwell. And it's actually Josh Pies in the situation. So you got attention. I, I did. I did. And yeah, well, I mean, basically, you know, I have this root belief that anybody in any position, whether it's, you know, you're in charge of marketing for a company and you're maybe you're a C-suite or maybe you're an employee, you know, no, no value statement here. You're, you are an employee doing a job that you're proud of and you like. The bottom line is in any position you actually do need to get attention, but it may be niche attention. It may be attention from the right leader in your company. It could be for salespeople, the attention of that, that market you're in charge of tapping. Um, but in life, we are all charged, whether we know it or not, with the task of getting attention. And I'm fascinated by that because there's a lot of people, um, even a couple of my family members, they hate attention. They shy from attention. Yet, whether they like it or not, as humans, we need to get attention. So it's important to focus on this in general, because if you want to accomplish anything, you need it. I mean, heck, go to go to Walmart and have a little bit of an issue and you need the attention of the manager. There are people who don't know how to get the attention of the manager. I mean, so I mean, I'm talking this is a life skill. But when you bring it back to marketing, which is what my focus is, we need to figure out how to get attention for our thing. And so that is that is the get attention mantra in general. And and I'll I'll tell you, you know, for decades now, I've been focused on getting attention through the big stuff. And if you've seen, I know you've seen my work. So, you know, a lot of big brand pieces, big set pieces, you know, characters and scripts and, you know, a full set of people. And sometimes it's the videos that we've been creating for brands like, you know, the Codex of the World um, did some great stuff for Eagle View a couple of years ago. It's still some of my favorite. Um, those are heavy five figures, if not into six figures for a video like that. And that's one way of getting attention. That's kind of the traditional big video way of getting attention. But then I'm very clear on how markets have segmented or at least... I guess styles have segmented, and thanks to the internet, we have to be fast and feverish with our, our release strategies because the internet moves so fast. So we need to learn how to get attention at a lower per video cost, lower per content piece cost, but have high value. And I've got a lot of strong beliefs around what value is 
in the shock and awe big branded pieces and what value is in content creation. Because I do believe they're kissing cousins. They're both necessary, but they're both really different. Well, I can think of the the content piece specifically. I might spend time, you know, making a video. I'm not I'm not doing video for clients like you are. I'm I'm making a personal piece of content that I can mm-hmm. put out there to promote my brand. Uh, you can spend a lot of time putting together a podcast, whoever these things are. But if you can't get the attention of the market, you know, that's a lot of effort that that goes unnoticed. I've got videos on YouTube that you know maybe they have 18 views. I have others that have. 26,000. But but this idea of getting attention is critical. I, I see the connection between content and getting attention just for the, the pragmatic necessity of needing to get your content out there in front of people. Yeah. When you're dealing with clients, I tend to think of these names that you're talking about and I think, well, they must know how to get attention. Uh, so are you are you seeing that businesses are struggling getting attention for themselves? And, and if so, why? Yeah, I, I do believe uh, they're struggling to get attention. And uh, the why, um, it's a little bit different for every organization I run into, but the themes are um, one, time. You know, it does take time to invest uh, in a strategy for getting attention. Two, sometimes people jump into the activity without the strategy. So, you know, there's, I guess, and is that me with my YouTube videos? <laughs> and well, and it might be. And sometimes it's me, too. I mean, there is a certain reality that you have to just keep. It's, it's almost like uh, professors publish or perish. Um, if you are not staying on the radar in some way, especially once you've started doing what you do, even if it doesn't wholly fit within your strategy, there's something about the algorithms that you actually get dinged for not creating Absolutely. And um, and also in people's attention, you know, if there's a gap and a lull in your content for a month, somebody else has filled that uh, attention void for your audience. And so you really don't want to let yourself have a giant lull. So so producing without a strategy isn't wholly wrong if it's a if it's a break in between two very strategic points in your strat in your existence. Um, but if you go into it with zero strategy, um, well, you've gone into it with zero strategy. There's not much more to say. I mean, you're literally throwing something against the wall to see if it sticks. And, uh, the last time I threw a bowling ball against the wall, it went really bad. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, yeah, there's a lot of people who are fatigued from trying because they didn't start right. And, and I run into that. Um, there's, a, you know, it's funny, though. I, I've run into some big brands. I don't want to throw them wholly under the bus, but I've already name dropped one of them where I had an experience a while back where they didn't even understand how to talk to a market that they've been in for 75 years. And... Um, you know, we, we had to have, uh, for lack of a better term, a kind of a come to Jesus moment because what they came to me wanting us to create was going to fail hmm. because they didn't step back and actually take the time to evaluate the, the behaviors and the interests of the people who make up their market. And, um, and that, and I'm a big believer in creating avatars, um, You know, we all have a customer base that we can almost profile that it's our most likely customer. And if you take time to build a a avatar of who you would normally be speaking to so that every time you're about to do something, you can go, oh, this is Joe, my avatar. Joe is 
a likely a 35-year-old male who is college educated and has a certain level of income and you know 2.5 kids and you know likes the Buffalo Bills because he's central in you know in western New York or wherever it is I mean you can literally have that detailed a profile sure. say would what I'm doing right now get Joe's attention and people don't ta- do that exercise. It's a it's an easy exercise to understand, but it's actually once you get into it, it gets a little painful because you start second guessing yourself because there's so many options. But you know, you you got to speak to somebody. And most people, though they have uh, an ethereal, amorphous sense of who they're speaking to, don't have that avatar. And so that's one thing that I, I workshop a lot with uh, people I work with is. We literally need to put a name and maybe even a stock photo face or a best client's, you know, social profile on who we're talking to as the litmus test, because that's part of your strategy. How do you go about doing that? Is that just a, is it a couple hours of hashing around ideas with your clients saying, who's your best customer? Do you go into a bit of uh, quantitative or qualitative research to figure that out? Eh, it depends on how much they're spending, honestly. I mean, sure. because it, it can, you know, if, if I were to wear the full consultant hat, the right answer is that you actually want to do a little market research. You want to spend time calling their most friendly top 10 clients and ask them questions and have a script and compile the data and, you know, maybe look at their current social following. And I mean, if it is semi relevant in the sense that they're getting traction and, you're able to come up with a profile off the social, you could maybe choose to build that. But if they're not getting any action, and maybe even if they have 10,000 followers on Instagram, it could be all dummy accounts. Who knows? I mean, yeah. so you got you to do a little work to figure all of that out. But yeah, I mean, if, if there's been some mild success in business in general, you can probably do the smaller version of that exercise and go to the top five or 10 customers and even if you're not taking the time to call them, start trying to drive some kind of a avatar off those five or ten. Sure. And it sounds like the the takeaway is don't jump into a project without understanding who this content is for, what their needs and desires are, what their problems are, what their hopes and dreams are, so that you can create a piece of content, whatever it is, that that speaks to them on some level. Let them guide where this should go, not... Uh, your own interest or creativity or business needs guide right. that. Yeah. yeah. And and distribute it where they are. I mean, that's another thing that I, I, you know, I struggle with watching some people who are, you know, putting a whole bunch of business content as an Instagram first strategy. Like, okay. I mean, I, I love Instagram. I use it, but it's not my strategy because I'm wholly a B2B conversation. Yeah, I've noticed There's not a consumer on the planet. I've noticed you've been doing a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. So is that, that's... Is that where you're focused as a business? Yes. Uh, I'm a LinkedIn first strategy for sure. Um, I mean, so you mentioned YouTube earlier. I put a lot of, actually all of my content almost is archived on YouTube, but I almost don't care about it. Um, What I do when I post on YouTube, kind of going backwards a little bit, um, you know, if I, if my LinkedIn first strategy is what it is and I'm natively posting to LinkedIn, I'm putting stuff on YouTube and meta tagging like crazy to allow it to be. Because there is that chance organically that somebody will um, stumble onto my stuff and go, oh, this guy's got some great information. Let me find his website and then Mm -hmm. do the work to find me. YouTube's free. 
So you might as well. And and I'm that way with a lot of social media. Um, most of my LinkedIn content finds its way to my company Facebook page and a version of it in some way, shape or form, because the rules are so different on Instagram, finds its way over there too. Um, but LinkedIn is, I mean, to think about the user of, of LinkedIn, one, most of them are in some level of professional uh, category where they can make some kind of a decision that matters. And, you know, I mean, just go troll LinkedIn and watch the feed. Everybody in your feed has some level of influence in their company. Um, rarely do I find interns. Um, on top of that reality, so, I mean, that that's an important thing. I mean, I've already got B2B people who are in my world if I'm just on LinkedIn at all. But um, when people are on LinkedIn, they're thinking about business. They're not thinking about the Labor Day party that's coming up or already happened. They're not checking cute cat videos. <laughs> right. They're, right. you know, I mean, they're in a business mode thinking about business and, and business. You know, there are some people like me who find so much creativity in in business in general that I almost look at it as my behance. If, if anybody's in the graphic design world and they know, you know, Adobe um, you know, they've got this Behance platform where you can go and portfolio much, site, right? It, it's a portfolio site. Exactly. Well, LinkedIn to me is people's portfolio site. They're sharing from a certain depth of knowledge and experience, and they're also riffing on each other's stuff. And, and that there's a lot of creativity that's happening, but it's just not uh, digital painting. It's, it's the creativity of business. So I go there for my fun. And there's a lot of people who do that. And I want to catch them where they're inspired and where they're seeking information that's absolutely relevant to the business conversation. And I want to be a part of that. So that's why it's LinkedIn first. Yeah. And you're creating videos. I mean, LinkedIn, maybe uh, it's been at least a year, maybe more, open up the platform for original videos. You used to be able to, you still can embed a video. So if I do something on YouTube, I can just post the link. It'll show up on yeah. LinkedIn. But the but algorithm now you can upload you for that. Yeah, exactly. So now you can take a video and post it right on LinkedIn directly, and they get a lot of traction. I've I've noticed similarly that um, people enjoy video. I mean, just wherever they are. Well, yeah. I mean, they say that a picture is worth a thousand words, and I usually shoot in about twenty four frames a second. So every second of video is twenty four thousand words. That's there you go. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, man. So, Josh, how long have you been doing video? I mean, I, I when I did this uh, intro that for you, you know, I shared that you started a business at age four. Uh, I'd like to hear a little bit about that. You got my attention with that. But um, how long have you been doing the video and brand ex, uh, work that you've been doing now? Uh, you know, I it's my, my wife and I were talking about this the other day because the anniversary of the company is Father's Day. Um, we actually... Congrats. Um, yeah, thank you. So uh, we are 10 years old as of this year as C47 Films. Um, and prior to that, I was the director of marketing and head producer for another production company. Um, and then before that, how I actually got in was uh, one of my best friends uh, calls me. Uh, his name's Dave Siriano. And uh, he calls me. And he's like, Josh, I've done something. I'm like, that's not a good thing the way you just said that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, basically, he was the uh, the newly minted director of marketing for a mega church in uh, Western New York. And uh, they had a TV show on every Sunday that was just the pastor's sermon and like one song from song service. 
And, you know, as the new guy, he went and did his research. He wasn't going to, you know, rock the boat too much. He was just observing and learning. And what he learned was nobody watches the show. And I, when I, I say nobody, there was a viewership of one that they could figure out through somebody responding to Ouch, something that hurts for yeah. an entire year. And think about the budget that you put, even if it's just a single cheap camera and then airtime that they were paying for, that's expensive. It is. But it wasn't that. It was a lot more than that. So Dave did what he was supposed to do, and he pulled it from the air and decided to rethink. Um, and, and it's okay to make a snap decision on that level, in my opinion, because, I mean, the proof was there. I mean, it is literally a waste of money. So you, you do make that snap decision, and then you go into a new creative mode. Um, well, he slayed the sacred cow, and his job was on the line same day. And so that was the something that he did, and... His instinct was right, but it sounded crazy. He decided that since their ultimatum was put the show back on the air, and he said, well, I'm going to put my show on the air. And they're like, what's that? And he goes, I don't know. Um, but the truth was he, he kind of knew. It was going to be a Saturday Night Live, but it was going to be clean with a little bit of faith-based content in there brought to you by the church. Branded content. And okay. Branded content. That's exactly what it was. And this was, you know, this was before YouTube. So we didn't have a model of all of the crazy YouTube channels to to say, oh, we're going to do it like that. So the only real models out there were variety shows like um, everything from Rowan and Martin's Laughing to um, Saturday Night Live and SCTV um, and a little Monty Python. So th those were literally our, our benchmarks. Is this, this pre-digital cameras as well? Uh, this is, yeah, it's pre-DSLR. Um, so, so they're... Oh, yeah, go man. ahead. I'm just going to say, I'm just thinking of the tech, the technology, the work to film, uh, edit, pre-digital yeah. something. Yeah, it was interesting. We were, you know, and I'm glad I started back then because it forced me to really actually understand what we were doing. And I mean, truth be told, we went to the library and got books out because we didn't know what we were really doing. Um, we uh, couldn't go on Amazon. What were we doing? Yeah, we, we were like at Barnes and Noble getting how to write a script. I still have my my first uh, script writing book. It's around here somewhere, and it's it's a paperback that's literally called How to Write a Script, and that is how I got into the business. It was we were figuring out how to put a TV show on, and I'll tell you what, our first episode. I go back and I look at that sometimes, and I can't believe we let that go out. But we did. <laughs> And people responded and, and we, we actually didn't even have the volunteer base to really make it work as a weekly. So we were doing a monthly. So one episode would air twice a week, four times a month. We were okay. putting the same episode on eight times. Um, and so almost an infomercial style, but there was no call to action other than if you need prayer, like right at the end, here's a phone number. Um, but we started getting people calling and we started actually having people come to the church and say, I saw the show, you know, so I decided to show up things that had never happened with the other version of the show. And, uh, and so it was clearly working. And what ended up happening over time is somebody was visiting like their grandma while they were in town and watched the show, but they were a producer from Buffalo. And so he's like, Hey, can I get this on in my market? And he made an arrangement to put it on a Christian label called TCT, which is a regional over the air broadcaster. And they had like 13 or 14 markets that they were in. So it wasn't just that market. We went from one market to like 15 markets in one conversation. 
And that was really cool. We're like, hey, we're affecting more people. It's great. Still just chugging along, making episodes. But then Trinity Broadcasting saw it somehow on one of those other stations and took it and uh, not took it. They, they obviously talked to us, but they put it on. Uh, it ended up being over a thousand markets around the world. Oh, my goodness. And it blew up. That's that was my entree into the biz, really, is when our volunteer effort, which was hilarious and fun turned out to be something that was an international hit and and things were happening i couldn't go into some stores or restaurants without getting recognized my wife was on the show um we would actually get stopped in the middle of toys r us and people would tell us how the show had affected their marriage and and brought you know husband and wife together we had a woman crying at the checkout one day she or her we didn't cause her to cry um but uh (laughs) she was just so grateful to run into us to tell her how much our show changed her marriage we're like what so it, it was an awesome way to see the power of video again. I mean, I, I wasn't really thinking about looping it back to that. But I mean, the truth is visual stories do matter. And if you're willing to tell a story that has uh, personal value, social value or industry value, you may be changing somebody's existence with your information as we found out we were. My guest today is Josh Pies. He is the founder and owner of C47 Films. You can check out his website. Just go to C47Films, F-I-L-M-S dot com, C47Films dot com. You can also follow Josh, uh, just following up on that LinkedIn first strategy. He's very open to networking on LinkedIn. So if you just go to LinkedIn and search for Joshua Pies, P-I-E-S, send him an invite. Tell him you heard about him uh, on the currency. I'm sure he'll be more than happy to accept your invitation. We'll be right back in just a moment. Folks, thanks so much for joining me today on this episode of The Currency. Hopefully, you're having as much fun listening as I am interviewing today's guest. We're going to get right back to the show in just a minute, but I want to ask you for two really easy, really quick favors. The first is, if you haven't already, please subscribe. The Currency is delivered weekly, and if you enjoy branding, strategy, marketing, a little bit of entrepreneurship, then this is the show for you. Just go over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, anywhere the podcasts are provided, and hit that subscribe button. You'll get the currency delivered hot and fresh to your digital device of choice every week. Now, the second thing I'm asking is for you to leave a review. It really helps the show get found. Every time someone leaves a review on iTunes or Spotify or any of these platforms, it signals both to the platform and to their audiences that this is a podcast worthy of attention. It helps promote the podcast, and it helps potential listeners know if this is something that they should invest their time in. So if you wouldn't mind, take a moment, subscribe, and leave a review. It helps me out immensely. Now, let's get back to today's show. And we're back. Our guest today is Josh Pies. He is a video advertising and branding expert. He's been regaling us with the story of how he got into video, which is just amazing. It's like uh, a dream come true, a volunteer project for a church turned into a nationally syndicated show. What an amazing experience. Josh, welcome back. Um, I want to take this experience. It kind of gives me goosebumps. I guess the, the entrepreneur in me gets excited when I hear about something taking off. And I'm putting myself in in the audience shoes saying, okay, that's great, but how do we, uh, as marketers, as entrepreneurs, how do we get that kind of attention for ourselves? Is there, Are there like basics that you like to teach or that you um, employ 
uh, when you're working with clients? What are the basics of getting attention? Yeah, so I actually I do this talk called The Five Keys to Owning Your Influence Online Using Video. Long title, but people seem to get it. And um, I, I think if it's okay, I'd like to walk you through that. But before I do... I, I want to caution people because we're, we're jumping off of a story where we literally we had a TV show blow up and go international. And, you know, that is awesome. And, and if anybody has that experience, it's a lot of fun. But that can't be the goal. The goal is to get the attention that you need from the right people sure. in the right market. And so quick short story, um, to, uh, you know, the opposite of getting the right attention I have a friend, um, Mr. Larry Grossman. Uh, you, you may have heard of his uh, garden center. And I worked with him to help him start uh, vlogging. And his vlogs, and he just wanted some content information on like how to capture the video and some framing and so just some refinement. So we did that. And uh, I ran into him like a year later and said, how, how's it going? And he goes, I'm getting tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of views, but nobody's shopping at my place. It's still all the same old customers, which was great. He had a thriving business, but you know, this was a growth strategy for him. And I said, well, did you look at where all the views are coming from? He goes, I did. He goes, Southern Pennsylvania and Japan. I'm like, wow, that's odd. I know. And basically he was talking a lot about rose gardening Ah. And apparently there was a rose gardening group that was thriving in Southern Pennsylvania. And then all of Japan is very much into roses. And so there's a lot of gardening happening around roses in Japan. So he, he had an audience and I said, well, right, right now the only leverage you have is to offer to come and speak for a fee or start selling product online. Yeah. You know, that's so that where my mind went. Is there some digital product or something? Yeah, you can sell? absolutely. Yeah. And, and of course, digital products, when we were having this conversation, weren't a thing. So exactly. Uh, you know, yeah. you know I, I couldn't offer that, but he, he could have been selling on Amazon at that point. And, um, and I don't actually really didn't follow up to find out where he took it, but it was so interesting to see that you've got this world-class expert sharing content, but he couldn't monetize it because the people who he had managed to engage were too far away. He's looking for people that are 10 or 15 mile radius from his uh, greenhouse. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. And, and, and he would be thrilled if people from other towns, you know, 45 miles away would trip. be willing to take the drive. He was hoping to be a destination, but it wasn't clicking. And, um, you know, and I happen to know it just from observation, his business is still thriving. So life is good for him. But it, that plan didn't work, but it worked, you know. And so the goal can't be to target any views or any traction or traffic. It has to be targeted to your market. And it's okay if you had a viewership of one, but it was a billionaire who wants to spend so much money with you that you never have to work for more leads again. That one view was 100% of what you needed. So it's getting the attention of the right audience, not just getting attention for attention's sake. Correct. Yeah, gotcha. Correct. Cool. Yep. Um, so with that said, sure, there, you know, this, let's go into these, these five keys. The first key, and, and I'm taking this, I'm, let's, let's assume that whoever's listening didn't think about needing a budget for this. So they officially, whether they have money in the bank account or not, just don't have a budget allotted to this. So we're thinking about first steps and keeping things affordable. Step number one, I call get over yourself. And so this is a free thing if you're willing to work on your own mentality on this. But the truth is you do need to start taking action. And your first video will be your worst video. Yeah. And so you just need to understand and internalize now that 
you will not nail it the first time, and that's okay. You will also not destroy your credibility with your first video if it is awful, as long as you're not doing things that are socially terrible and inappropriate, which I would imagine you're not because you already know what your market is. And you generally know if somebody was sitting across the table from you over a cup of coffee, how you would speak to them. So don't change that too much. You're not going to be offensive. You're not going to nail it. That's okay. Just there, just do it is, is actually the lesson to get over yourself. Step number two is technology. And, and a lot of people fear getting into this because they feel like one, either they can't afford the right technology or they're going to not be able to understand the technology and then implement. So my big thing is if you're going to start with video, make sure that your phone is not from 2005 and you're probably good. So if you have an iPhone or a current uh, Android that is within the last three years, I'd say, you've got something that is HD or 4K capable. And I tell everybody in the tech world uh, or in this in this key here not to go in 4K. If you don't know what 4K is, that's fine. You don't even need to. You're going to film in HD, which is 1080. And the reason why you're going to do that is once you upload your video, it's already getting compressed and revised by all of the backend processes that are in all the social media world. 4K isn't fully 4K anymore. Neither is even the 1080 that you upload. So go with something that is easier to store on your phone and realize that the visual quality will not be perceptible to your end viewer, whether you shoot in 4K or whether you shoot in 1080. But are are you saying essentially that you don't really need to invest in a lot of technology. If you've got a pretty current smartphone, you're ready to go. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And you don't need to go get a microphone because your, your phone's mic is fine. Now you may want to grow and add a microphone as you start getting used to this. Um, and you can do some light research or I can guide you. But the truth is the microphone on your camera, as long as you're within, you know, a couple feet of your phone is a quality microphone. So what I, what I add to the picture in technology is that you don't want to shoot everything like you're shooting a selfie, you know, holding your, your phone in your hand and then just sticking your arm out as far away (laughs) as it gets from you isn't really a top strategy, but there are ways to get, go super cheap. If you go on Amazon right now and search tripod and cell phone holder, you will find under $20, a plastic tripod. But it's a, it is real. It's fully functional. And a spring clamp holder that will hold your cell phone. That can be Amazon Prime drop shipped to you within two days. It reduces to a size that will stand on a table. And some of them actually go as high. Actually, it's funny. I, I work with a nonprofit here in Florida where um, the director of the nonprofit was doing all these selfie videos and it was driving me nuts. And so I just had – I drop shipped this tripod to her and I was surprised. She's tall. She's almost my height. I'm six foot. And her tripod was tall enough that she can stand and put the cell phone eye level with her. And it was like $16 that I drop shipped (laughs) to her. I mean, it was amazing. So, you know, still, we're talking super cheap. But now something else is holding your phone. And if anybody's got Italian tendencies like I do, your hands are going to be all over the place anyhow. So you need to put the phone down and be able to be you. Mm. And so that, that is like you know, a one-on-one level thing that a lot of people don't know to do is just stop holding the phone yourself. Um, and if you've got a selfie stick in the house right now, um, you can actually usually unscrew the head of your selfie stick and screw it onto a tripod. So if you already have a tripod and you already have a selfie stick, you got what you need. 
just put them together. So that's the second one. So the first is get over yourself. And, and just mm-hmm. uh, when I hear that, and we were, you know, we kind of opened talking about the jackets you wear. When I hear get over yourself in the context of how your public persona is, you know, uh, my reaction is a little bit like, well, is he going to ask me to wear loud clothing and, and behave in ways that I don't, that aren't me? Is, oh, so, good, so I want to just question. like, you know, what do you mean when you say, say get over yourself? I think I know what you mean, but would you mind expanding on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so I'm me. I'm loud. I like attention. I am willing to test strategies that are, um, let's say, avant-garde to say the least. That doesn't have to be you. Um, authenticity, which is a word that gets thrown around a little too much these days, is an important word. And um, bait and switch is what I want to kind of bring this around to is if you are inauthentic in your videos to get attention, but then people meet you and get something other, you've literally baited and switched them on the experience. That leaves a really bad taste in people's mouths. So what you need to do is find your authentic delivery style and try to workshop it so you can polish that. You want to be able to deliver articulately you want to be able to deliver in uh, any of your content you know maybe in a setting that's relevant to your content but also relevant to you you may want to um you know come up with a couple of go-to catchphrases that are kind of hashtag worthy that fit your world so you can have some strategies that you wouldn't necessarily use in a day-to-day conversation but they're strategies and tactics that amplify you so if you are a little bit of an introvert, and a lot of people who are struggling with this actually are a little introverted, but still know that they need to get attention. So they've got the boldness to try. And I, I'm just, I, my heart leaps when I see people getting out of their shell a little bit to test these things. It would be a long reach if I were to say that part of the strategy is that you have to look like an insane man in a stupid coat. <laughs> you know, th- that's me. So the get over yourself is really... Get over get your over own your fears. Your fears. Just put yourself out there, but be yourself. You're not coaching your clients to be Josh Pies. You're saying, like, who is if if I were your client, who is Mike Gaston? Let's figure that out. Who is his audience? Now let's get Mike Gaston out there so that his audience can learn who he is and appreciate him. But not don't get hung up that I have to do this perfect performance. It's not right. going to hurt me if I put a clunker video out because you'll put more and more out and they'll be better and better and people don't mind that. Right. And the speed of the internet is such that a lot of your content will be buried within three to five days anyhow. It's an and, ephemer- ephemeral. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So don't don't worry about that so much. It, it really is get over the fears, get over the any of those hangups that say I can't or I'll hurt my my business. You won't hurt your business and you can. So that's right. the get over yourself. So we got get over yourself. We've got technology, meaning, look, don't get you don't need to drop two grand on gear if you've got a good smartphone, all you need to do is maybe make sure you're not doing selfie shots and you're off to the races. What's next? Batch it, Betty Crocker. Um, that is my third point is that you need to batch your content as best you can. So um, think about when you're baking cookies. Would you, uh, you know, with technology, how it's changed. I've watched my wife bake a single cookie for my daughters because one wants a chocolate chip because you can kind of break it off. So it's kind of breaking the mold a little bit. But if you were making from scratch a, uh, a batch of cookies... Would you just make a single cookie? No. O- make- only if it has a 26-inch diameter, yes. But that, otherwise... Correct. Bingo. Yes. Okay. So, but if you're making the classic chocolate chip cookie, exactly. yeah, you know, you're no going to have 12 no. on your baking sheet. 
or you might have more depending on the size of your cookie and you are going to batch those it would be very weird to do a one-off and you know i did a whole tour a documentary series through uh middle america on advanced manufacturing and one of the things that was a consistent theme was that the mid-size manufacturers tend to use their machines to batch parts so machine a might have the task of making 40 different parts for their stuff whatever they're making in general but part number one is made in a batch of 2000 part number two is made in a batch of 2000 because there's setup time there's teardown time there's all these logistics that they have to deal with it is absolutely the same thing when you are manufacturing videos So in the process of creating any content, and this can stand for blog posts, this can stand for, you know, whatever you're creating. I I know for me, you know, I I get viewed by a lot of people, not as a strategist, but as a creative. So thinking about creative space, it can take me 15 to 30 minutes, sometimes an hour to get into my creative zone. I have to put myself in the right you know, musical environment for myself, sometimes the right physical environment for myself. I I always have to have a coffee in my hand. Um, I know there's certain things that I just, those are my setup to get creative. If I'm going to get creative for a single video and then have to shift to accounting, I've, I've literally put myself in a position where the next video, I have to go through my process again to get yeah. to my best creative self. That's good. Why would I do that to myself? So get into my creative zone for writing I'm going to allow myself to write three pieces, five pieces, ten pieces, you know, whatever it is that I can muster out in 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 that moment. So you need to batch your work too. And you should batch it in chunks, meaning you need to write your content first. And I do not advocate writing it out like a script. I advocate brainstorming topics and then turning them into bulleted outlines. You know your industry, you know your stuff, but you might need just essentially the three by five card of your information prepared for you so that as you go to batch your videos, you can pull out that three by five card and go, oh, okay, so this one's on topic X and I have two points to make here. So here we go. And I've, you know, you've got that cheat sheet ready to go. And, and I do mean it that you should be batching your videos. So you batched your, your concepts and your outline writing. You move on to another time. I would not do it all on one day. It's exhausting. But maybe every Monday morning for, you know, two hours, you allot time to create content. So Monday, number one, you write. Monday, number two, you film. And you get through all of those topics and then you put it away for a week. And then Monday, number three, you upload. And now you upload all your content, maybe using Hootsuite as a scheduler, um, you know, in Facebook, you can actually upload native without using Hootsuite or uh, another scheduling program and schedule them out. Um, you know, I, it's funny. I don't recall whether LinkedIn is allowing you to do that, but you can uh, use Hootsuite to schedule, which is what I'm doing to upload your uh, to your business page. Mm. So that's scheduled out on my side. Um and, and you get that all done. And then the next Monday, you know, we usually have four or five Mondays in a month, uh, is either a free Monday so that you can add certain level of creativity to it, or I would even recommend batching a strip of your content. And what I mean by that is you can get blog posts off of your video. How do you do that? Here's a huge tip. Get a pen out, everybody. I, there's a website I use called temi.com, T-E-M-I.com. That is an 
artificial intelligence transcriber that will transcribe your videos for 10 cents per audio minute. 10 minute video is a buck. So you upload your video, it listens to it, it transcribes it, you download the word file, you now have a blog post that will need some massaging. It wasn't it, it, it was a robot listening to you, so it's not gonna be absolutely perfect, but it's gonna be darn close. And you massage it real quickly for 10 minutes, and now you've got a blog post. So all of your work for the month just turned into that. Pretty cool, right? That's a really cool service. I'll make sure to put a link to temi.com in the show notes and on the blog post for this for this uh, podcast episode. Josh, that's a great tip. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, of course. So we've got Get Over Yourself, Technology, Batch Content. Those are, those are the first three. We've got two more. What's left? Well, I already tipped my hand a little bit, which was schedule it. Um, so, you know, that was, you know, as you're batching, you need to schedule things. And so um, the fourth tip is have a strategy and schedule it. So, um, you know, earlier we were talking a little bit about how I like to be on LinkedIn as a LinkedIn first strategy, because that's where people are not only having B2B conversations, but they're in a B2B brain space. And that, that is where my focus goes, but it's not the only thing that I upload every you know week or I, I've got a whole strategy where like Monday I release a trailer to what I'm going to talk about at length on Wednesday. And then I follow up with a meme on Thursday that is essentially a screenshot of me with a quote from my own piece and then towards you know friday saturday i'm uploading a um it, well it's really we're using canva to create a uh a text piece that just stands it's pretty and it's got another quote and it, that way i keep my social media kind of live and and i even have a service where we can do this for for people for hire because it just so you do this hopping. you're saying you do this for clients yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'd, I've termed the product to be your own media company. Um, and it's basically, if anybody's really uh, avariciously following some of the big thought leaders in this space, the guys like the Gary Vaynerchuks and uh, Penn June, it's exactly their their formula, but it's outsourced. And and that's there's a lot of people out there who have the energy and want to actually chase this for themselves. Um, there's some people who don't have the time or don't feel like they're going to be able to master their own content without a guide. And that's where we come in because we're guiding on content and helping execute. But yeah, um, yeah so it, we do have a product for that. Uh, but basically having a plan where you're scheduling your content so that you're keeping attention a little bit top of mind without bombarding people, I think is, is good. Um, every plan is going to be different because every industry has different behavior sets. And that's where it takes, you know, learning your avatar, not just so that you have the content created in a way that's interesting, but you've also workshopped for yourself how they act and where they would be best receiving your message that that matters. And that's how you're going to have to come up with your own schedule or hire a guy like me in order to kind of figure out and surmise where you're going to get the traction. And, and I'm speaking specifically about organic traction, but of course you can also always pay for advertising, sure. which may accelerate what you would hope would eventually become more organic. And all of those things have to just kind of be, you know, churned and workshopped for your target market. And, uh, that takes time. So we've got, we've got one, do we have one final? We do Is there one more. Um, and, and that's, uh, 
in my presentations, I just call listen, but you have to watch how people respond to you. And you, there's two reasons to do this. One, as you start to get to, tra- to a point of traction, people will start interacting. As they interact, there will be people who ask questions and people who speak up and offer ideas. And in both cases, those are thematic, and you may want to create your next round of content to either participate in what they've offered as, as new ideas or answer the questions that are coming. Also, if you don't like the interaction, for whatever reason, maybe it's not as relevant to what you want your market to do, you can learn to pivot. And so that's the third point in there is as you listen, you can figure out how to iterate. Um, The best businesses listen to their customers. That doesn't change from customer service to customer relationship building through content creation. It's you, you just listen and you respond appropriately and people forget to do that. You know, you kind of get into the zone like, Hey, I'm the guy who talks like this and I'm the guy who, who always puts it on LinkedIn. But I'll tell you what, if LinkedIn doesn't get traction for me, which it is, which is why I'm continuing to do it. But if it started to fail, I would have to get into an iterative mode where I either change my behavior on LinkedIn or I evaluate how my customers have changed their uh, behavior on LinkedIn and I react to the market. Sure. The other thing I like about that is it kind of takes you back to the beginning of your five points. So if my worry, because for me, it's not so much getting over my shyness. I like to give presentations. I like to be on the stage. I've built a career selling and all that kind of thing. But the idea of getting over myself, what I struggled with with content was I want to be perfect. Mm. And so part of my get over myself wasn't the fear of embarrassment. It was like, if I put something out there, it's not going to be good. I've never done video before. It's one thing to talk to a room full of people. It's another to look at a lens. You know, it's just a different thing. But I had to get over my desire to be perfect and just say, hey, I'm going to put something out there. Well, your last point, this idea of listening and measuring and then adjusting and iterating reinforces the get over yourself because like put something out there listen to the market you know you just keep tweaking and over time what started out as maybe a little rocky and and subpar is going to be excellent because you're going to not only be gaining experience but you're going to be reacting to the inputs that you're getting from your customers and target market and the voices out there your audience i really like that so what i want to do josh i want you know we're getting close to the end of the interview here i've got two other questions that I want to get at. But before I get to those, I, I would I would feel like I've done an injustice both to myself and to my audience if I didn't ask just for a quick blurb on that four-year-old Josh Pies and his entrepreneurial uh, start. What, what was this business you started at four years old? I have to hear about this. Okay. Um, so when I was four, I noticed that my mother kept losing her car keys. And my friend's mom had a really fancy big wooden, uh, like a mail rack in their kitchen that had hooks at the bottom that was a key rack. So I told my grandfather, I said, you know, I I wanted to make a key rack for my mother. So we went to a woodworking shop or a store and found uh, a book of crafts that you could do. And one of them was essentially taking a... uh, a four-foot wooden dowel, chopping it down to about six inches, rounding the edges, staining it, drill pressing in uh, three holes for uh, you know shiny hooks that you could screw in. You take two more hooks, put them on the end, and then use a leather strap, and you can hang that on your wall, and that will hang your keys. 
So I made that as a gift for my mother and she loved it. And I, my grandfather, who was a very industrious person, uh, kind of upper uh, mid-level manager at Kodak, and he was actually an industrial engineer and always, always doing something creative, to, uh, made a joke that I should uh, sell these to the neighbors. Well, that wasn't a joke to me. I was like, we're doing this. <laughs> so um, we went and bought something like 10 four-foot dowels. There was a bulk deal that we could get. And we batch manufactured like 40 of them. And I was selling them, uh, it was, remember this is $1984 here. Um, I was selling them, uh, $2 and was it? I think it was $2 and 50 cents for one, or you could get two for $4. Nice. Now most families aren't going to need two, but my pitch was always, you could gift one to somebody. There you go. And I was selling them door to door on my own. You know, this was a time where, you know, kids could just walk around and not you were four years. There was no adult with you. Uh, I, mom might've been taking a walk at the same time. I don't okay, really gotcha. remember. But you were I, remember going, I was you were the banging one at the on the door. Yeah. I was okay. banging on the door. And, you know, I think part of my sales strategy might've been cute four-year-old Hawking keys, key hey, racks. Whatever works, say man. No. Yeah, I know. Um, but I was, I was cash positive to the tune of about 1600 a year. <laughs> and yeah, I did this for a couple of years and, um, and I was, uh, I think my expenses were around three or four hundred, so I was Not making you know three yeah. or four x. You got the bug. You got bitten with the oh, bug. I, and, I did, and hopefully you had a little help with the drill press. I, I know you have all your fingers still, so I'm guessing I, that, I do. That went yeah. Well. yeah. <laughs> now, gr- my grandfather was amazing. He he taught me things that I mean, uh, every everything from how to work with uh, machinery to the life lessons that made me the man sure. that I am. So sure. that's you know th- those. Those entrepreneurial lessons have lasted a lifetime, but I got even more out of them, if you know what I yeah. mean. Yeah. No, that's You fantastic. know, I will tell you, by eight years old, I had also added a product. I was making seasonal uh, holiday gifts and also selling those door-to-door, and uh, that was also a good experience and very cash positive. Well, what I like about uh, who you are and as many things, I've known you for a number of years. Uh, you've moved out of the Rochester. You're in Orlando, Florida now. I know you still get back here and do work for... I do. Businesses in the upstate Western New York region. But what I love about you uh, is that you are entrepreneurial. And why I bring that up is, uh, you know, there are a lot of folks that do photo video and they are technical experts. They have their own business, but they're really into photography and video and, and they're good at what they do. I think you bring an entrepreneur's mindset to the table first. So, yes, I think you're technically excellent. I've looked at a lot of your work, and um, it's phenomenal. Obviously, you have fun doing it. You love it. and uh, but, but you're bringing that context of entrepreneurship, which I think is important because I know having run a business, working with clients now, it's really hard when you've got someone who's technically uh, savvy, but they don't understand what we're trying to accomplish. You know, they're not sympathetic necessarily to the business side they're more interested in the creating side and that can yeah. be tough because i feel like i'm always having to reroute like yeah no i know you want to do fireworks but that doesn't have anything to do with this target market <laughs> it would be cool and you might win an addy but we really need this to drive revenue and you're already on that it seems like yeah well i mean it helps that i've been an entrepreneur for life i have my mba in technology entrepreneurship from rit i mean i i'm i'm wired for business but I happen to have a pretty strong creative bone, you know? Sure. Josh, what, um, in closing here, I just want to ask the question, what piece of advice would you give marketers and entrepreneurs? I mean, you've given tons of advice to the five keys to attention, talking about knowing your market and sharing some stories around that. But if there's one takeaway that you want people to have as they, as they're listening, what would that be with regard to getting attention? 
I want to go back to key number one. You know, the number one takeaway that I want people to have is that you really do, you have to get past the fears that tell you that you can't start on your own. There are so many, and I'm really on, on top of mind are the really small businesses that don't have an immediate budget and might not have a budget for the next 24 months to invest in having it outsourced. And I believe, you know, outsourcing your content creation, if it gets divorced from your authentic voice, you've taken a step too far. I will say that you, when you create your content, can't just have somebody And to your point about uh, entrepreneurship and, you know, having your, your business message first, you know, I see all of these advertisements for like uh, this company called Promo, where they have like some silly dancing '70s looking dude with a crazy mustache. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there'll be a, a you know that gets attention for a second. But is that is is that how you want people to perceive your brand as the the sleazy guy in the weird uh, suit dancing? I, I would hope not. I can't think of a single brand, maybe outside of maybe a beer brand that could even fathom using that as a as an ad. Yeah, I've actually seen that multiple times. So it's the same darn ad being repurposed for four or five companies that have nothing to do with their advertisement. And it kind of hurts my head and breaks my heart when I see things like that. So I want you to get over yourself enough to actually be willing to try to share your authentic voice with your target market. And every time you create a video, you have the privilege of being able to listen to how people respond and make an educated decision on how to move forward with the next video. So the, the world isn't necessarily your oyster for an immediate ROI on all of these activities. You're building your authentic voice to build relationships with a market. The best relationships take time. I'm a married guy, happily married, almost 15 years now. And I will tell you, my marriage relationship takes work and time, and it will always be that way. And that's okay. You are courting. I literally mean it. You are courting your market. That takes time and purpose. And there's no time like today to start. So so get over the fear. Don't over outsource when you can afford to outsource anything because you have to keep your authentic voice in. And, and, and available for your market. That's that's my tip. My guest today has been Josh Pies. He is a video advertising and branding rock star. I would highly encourage you guys to check him out. Go to his website, c47films.com. That's C47, the number is 47FILMS.com. Also, check Josh out on LinkedIn. He'd be happy to connect with you. Just search for Joshua Pies, P I E S. Throw him an invite and he will connect. Josh, thanks so much for being a guest today on The Currency. Oh, thank you for having me. Guys, I love you all and I'll catch you guys in the next episode. <laughs>